Even if it's just for like one or two minutes a day uh, and you do it regularly, I think you'll find all sorts of benefits and it's hard to know what those benefits will be. There's some like tech on personally, when I am getting a little bit burnt out, I notice myself practicing meditation more, for example, and that's when I really find the value of yeah. meditating. You can, you can do uh, um, mindfulness meditation. There's other forms of meditation too. Then also you can increase your, your, your present moment awareness, right? In a non-judgmental way, in informal ways too. It doesn't just have to be like a sitting meditation or, you know, mindfulness programs have been studied with in academic institutions uh, just a bit, but not delivered online and exactly like what we're doing. My name is Mark Montalban. I'm your host for this Mindful Text Perspectives podcast. I'm here with James Pan. James Pan is an associate professor, program evaluator, and psychologist who specializes in evaluating health, human service, and educational programs. He's also an avid mindfulness and meditation practitioner, so we're excited to have him here on our show. James, tell us a little bit about yourself and your work. Um, well, I'm, I'm a professor. I, I teach at at Nova Southeastern University, work with uh, graduate students, undergraduate students um, on all sorts of projects and also teach them in various classes. Mostly my areas in program evaluation, which means the process, uh, the approach of helping organizations determine how well their programs are doing, what the value of those programs are and how to make those programs better, those initiatives, whatever they might be. And so we mean, when I say programs, I mean, it could be like after school program to like a court program, uh, something that's uh, uh, an initiative that's going on in a, in a jail. It, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, I'm interested more in the method and, and, and working with organizations that help, help people uh, in, in all sorts of settings. So I do that. And um, also, I'm interested also in, in mindfulness. And we've been, we've been doing a study that we're working on uh, your part of as well. Uh, mindful text is is a part of um, and interested in in uh, where the two kind of meet uh, evaluation my discipline and mindfulness uh, mindfulness intervention so writing a paper on that I have a also a blog post coming up uh, on that that we'll I'll share with with you all and um, that's uh that's my my background I'm a psychologist I started off as a psychologist and started ev evaluating programs at the beginning of my career and didn't realize that that's what I was doing. But uh, my first programs that I worked with were outdoor kind of programs, like uh, Outward Bound, New York City, Outward Bound, North Carolina, Outward Bound. Those are the first, those were my dissertation, the first organizations that I tried to help with what they were doing. And uh, so I, I stayed with that. And rather than go more like in the counseling uh, you know, realm that a lot of psychologists will do, a lot of counseling and clinical psychologists will, uh, I'm a counseling psychologist. I went more on, on a, a different route, which is towards uh, the evaluation discipline. And that's what I've been doing since then. So I teach evaluation, I teach research, uh, methods, uh, statistics, that kind of stuff. Yep. We kind of met serendipitously over LinkedIn, but we connected pretty quickly and started to work together in an interesting way. 
where we were integrating Mindful Text, which is basically an SMS texting program into the mindfulness class that you were helping lead at NSU. Yeah, we connected over LinkedIn through the magic of the LinkedIn algorithm or whatever it was. I don't remember. And then we talked and I really I found it to be interesting what you all were doing. And at the time, I didn't know that we would be able to work together in some way. Um, it wasn't immediate, but pretty soon after, like after COVID um, started, we our, our group wanted to figure out a way to help as many students as possible, people at the university. So, and we had to do it in a way that we felt like would be very accessible. So we started a, a program called um, the, uh, it's the uh, SRAT uh, program. Uh, so stress reduction and uh, attention uh, training uh, program. And uh, so we started uh, that. And um, as we were kind of, you know, getting uh, going with that, we thought, uh, well, first of all, it's going to have to be uh, online. It's going to have to be something that is um, accessible, that's doable. And so we wanted to take something that that's sort of shorter, um, more kind of doable for students than you know, than like mindfulness-based uh, stress reduction, which is uh, kind of considered to be like one of the standards in, uh, in mindfulness programs. And so we, we created something that it's, you know, hour a week, it requires daily practice, but a shorter daily practice, 20 minutes, something like that, depending on the week, on the week, daily practice. And it was offered online and then also supported by the, the text messages that were provided um, by Mindful Text. And so, you know, we, we brought that all together in a way to kind of support our students. We knew it was gonna be a stressful time and our faculty and our staff too joined. We ran four, four cohorts and we wanna run some more now and just uh, really, really excited about it. And we have some, some interesting, uh, you know, initial findings. We hope to send out a paper uh, sooner than later and, um, you know, kind of, you know, get, get going with that piece, but that, that's kind of like the, the initial, you know, that's how we, we met and that's kind of the, 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 the beginning of, of what, of what we were doing. We, you know, mindfulness programs have been studied with in academic institutions, uh, just a bit, but not delivered online and exactly like what we're doing and not with our sort of curriculum the same format and certainly not with uh, texting. And so we thought that that could be something that would be accessible, doable, and uh, would be helpful. And that was my experience of starting to bring in a mindfulness practice in my own life and then getting into that literature and, and learning more about it and starting to uh, bringing that into my professional work. And so that's why you know, I brought, I, uh, we wanted to initiate this and, and move forward and do the do the study, actually study it, do a research study. So in, in implementing it with the four cohorts, we actually collected data before and after, and we looked to see you know, what happened with participants and, and so forth. But mindfulness was something that was, um, it was, it was something that was really helpful, helpful for me. And, and that's, that's why I, I, I sort of brought it in and thought, you know, this is something that could be helpful for others. And, and it, it seems, and the, the research support supports that, I think notion pretty well. What's your experience been with people that haven't really been exposed to mindfulness and you or maybe your organization starting to share those ideas around mindfulness and meditation with them? 
people have all sorts of conceptions and ideas about what it is. Some people think it's a very, you know, esoteric kind of a, you know, strange or religious thing or tied to you know, Eastern religion or, you know, something like that. And, and so I think um, it just depends, you know, other people have an understanding and experience with it. I think people in the program that, that come into the SRAP program, there's a variety of, of backgrounds and experiences, but, you know, I've led meditations and faculty meetings, other things like that. And some people are very open to it. Others will just kind of shut down and not really be open to it at all, which is, which is fine. And I think it's something that is, it's helpful for some people and, you know, not for everyone, you know, it's, um, and so it being, you know, what it, it's helpful to define what, what mindfulness is. Um, you know, there's definitely like a long tradition of, of uh, mindful practice in, in many spiritual traditions, uh, certainly in Eastern ones and in, in Buddhism and, and Hinduism uh, as well. Uh, but, you know, John Kabat-Zinn, who's the MBSR sort of, you know, the person who started MBSR in the late 70s, uh, defined it roughly as, you know, moment by moment uh, awareness of the present moment in a non-judgmental way. Um, and uh, oftentimes like to get uh, leading to gaining insight or uh, more uh, ethical behavior or other, or other sorts of, uh, of outcomes that are, that are, that are uh, intrinsically positive. People have all sorts of understandings of it, and some people are sort of ready for it. Some people are not. I, I think for me, um, I want. I was interested in meditation for a long time, probably for 15 years, maybe more, and I just never got around to it. I never did it. I never took the the time to do it, and I didn't really understand. I, I conflated the two. I didn't, I didn't really know what mindfulness was, and I thought, well, meditation is something I want to do. And then with learning a meditation, then I learned. I started to understand mindfulness is, which is you know something that you can, you can do uh, mindfulness meditation. There's other forms of meditation too. But then also you can increase your, your, your present moment awareness, right? In a non-judgmental way in informal ways too. It doesn't just have to be like a sitting meditation or, um, you know, that kind of thing. So people, people come to with all sorts of conceptions and all sorts of ideas and maybe people can kind of look at it and see what the value it is and make a decision and decide to pursue it. Others, you know, maybe are kind of thrown off by it or don't like it or whatever it is. It just depends. Um, so just a mixed bag. But I think the people who end up coming into our program are more open in, into it. They're not being forced to come in. So they're, they're coming in, but they also come in with various ideas around, around what it is. Yeah. How did you first get into it? What was the, what made you start to get interested in how did you do you do you have a formal practice now or is something you lean back on personally when I am getting a little bit burnt out? I noticed myself practicing meditation more, for example, and that's when I really find the value of yeah. meditating. Uh, mindfulness is something that I realized I was practicing after a lot of time. And I think it's something that a lot more people are practicing now during these times. We're much more mindful of the things we touch, the door handles, um, things we're bringing into our house because yeah, of right. the state we're in right now. So I think that's we're all actually practicing mindfulness more so. Uh, but when did you start to put those two together of mindfulness? And you know, I'd love to hear about how you started mindfulness and meditation. I was interested in meditation, you know, but I, I never, I never 
practiced it in any rigorous way. Um, so I had some sort of vague ideas around what it was. I did it a bit, but it wasn't until probably, you know, maybe like six, five, six years ago. So I've been doing it for about five years, five and a half years. So when I was just experiencing like a lot of anxiety and um, I just, you know, I realized I needed to do something else. And I was like at the point where like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. And so I actually saw, went to see a, a nurse practitioner who was a, a teacher taught, um, so actually she's a nurse, um, she, but she's a mindfulness teacher. And she taught me, uh, I did like six or seven sessions with her. And that was a great way to start. And then I started, then I started using an app, uh, Insight Timer. And, and I did different things that helped. You know, you, you, you've talked about how BJ Fogg's like work around like building habits, but which I've learned about more recently. I was interested. I've, I've seen other models that are similar about ha building habits, but, um, you know, that's, that's really, I kind of like engineered things uh, without knowing about, about the habit building, like literature and that kind of stuff kind of so that I could do it. And I started very small and I, you know, I used the app and I uh, created sort of like gamified it a little bit. Like I didn't want to miss a day because the app would, you know, I would, it would reset. Um, I had like stuff set up in my office where it was like ready, like the, the bench and just everything else where it was like first thing I saw in the morning, I associated it with like when I had like I really enjoy tea in the morning. So I had the tea and then I would have that. So I like sort of associated the two. So on a normal day, weekday, I, I do it every morning. Weekends, I tend to do it in the afternoon or evening. So I kind of, I shuffle things up. Most people will do it consistently in the morning. I think a lot of people. Um, so, but um, yeah, I, then, you know, then at some point, like as I've, I started to study and learn about it more, I realized that, you know, it's, there's many different practices and that mindfulness is, um, and then I, you know, I read it a lot, read a lot, and been studying uh, as well, um, different all sorts of sources, um, and just realizing that it's not, you know, that that it's it's not just about meditation. There's other ways, um, just you know, noticing what you're doing in, in the moment. It could be right now, or it could be like every time you uh, climb the stairs or open a door, you make a point to just you know, be in your skin and just notice what you're doing. Because so much of our time is spent, so much of my time is spent, you know, in my head, out, you know, out in 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 space, not really being where I'm at, and um, so yeah. So I, then I started to realize that, like, kind of more in the last, you know, few years, really. And it's a practice. Something happens that's, you know, I think slowly, but there's like, it's like a gradual thing. But I, for me, it's been in kind of like little, you know, little uh, you know bumps of movement, like sort of. So, you know, it's, there's a, a slope, but it, it comes like in like steps almost. It'll have an insight or something will happen. And, it, you know, it was helpful to go on, on, a, on a retreat. I went on a, a short retreat, like a three day, three and a half day ret retreat um, at the Garrison Institute, New York. And that was, that was really good. And so like those kind of experiences are helpful. Yeah. So. I'm just thinking from a perspective of somebody who may not be practicing mindfulness and meditation. And you mentioned this idea of just being aware when you're opening a door handle or when you're eating. And I'm just trying to think about your perspective and even my perspective, like the value of doing that from the onset. I, I can't explain that myself, but being aware, bringing that awareness with you. Oh, okay. So now I'm thinking about the practice of awareness and how it's useful uh, to bring around with you and maybe not the experience of opening the door handle might be useful but the idea of just being aware 
helps you throughout your day because there are so many things that happen. For example, if you get um, a notification that might trigger you, if you get, if you start to feel an emotion that um, is also triggering and you have that awareness, you're able to catch if that emotion or that triggering thought takes you somewhere else. So uh, just thinking out loud about the value of this awareness of being mindful when you're opening a door, it's not necessarily about the door itself and being present for the door, but it's yeah, more about right. this practice of awareness and how it can help you through the ups and downs. Yeah, so it's like a self-reflective, like a metacognitive like strategy, like where you're just, you're aware of like, you know, what you're thinking, how you're feeling. Um, so you can, um, so you can, you can uh, act in a more like and more helpful way. And, and it's not that you're, you know, not going to, um, you know, it, it's not that I, I, I don't get upset or I don't like, you know, act uh, in ways that I'm, I, I realize are just not helpful. But the idea is that uh, when I do that, I, uh, maybe I do it a little bit less, but also that um, that just sort of notice it much quicker, right? So just sort of being, being aware and being, uh, and so just that practice of if it's the door handle or whatever it is, just uh, noticing what you're doing, noticing your, your physical, your body, noticing your emotions, your thoughts, your cognitions, noticing any uh, beliefs that you have in situations when encountering, when speaking, when interacting with people, any biases that might come up and being really honest with yourself. And there's a number of ways you can do that. You can, all, you can ask self-reflective questions, uh, reflective questions, which are questions uh, designed to get you to pause and to really think about, okay, what is, what's really going on here? Um, so an example, like an evaluation work, you know, we can, uh, there was a great, there was a great article um, by uh, Ronald uh, Epstein or actually done him and his colleagues have done a lot of work in medicine around mindfulness programs for physicians. And, and uh, they describe in one of their papers, at least one of their papers, uh, reflective questions that they try to teach like beginning physicians and, and in the physician training program. I, I don't think it's just for residents, but they, I think they work with others as well, other physicians so that they can really just identify when, um, you know, when they're going off in, in, in a way that that's not helpful, um, jumping to conclusions when uh, they're engaging in bias in, in the different sort of like a bias, uh, attributing, uh, jumping, jumping to specific conclusions around what a, might, might be happening in a situation, um, what might be causing an illness, what the, the actual, you know, the underlying problems are, all these kind of things and how we can use that in evaluation, that kind of thinking, asking those kind of questions. Um, in our in our work as evaluators, um, asking about our own, you know, do I feel a sense of um, discomfort right now? Like, you know, am I feeling? How am I feeling about my about this evaluation, about this work I'm doing? You know, our feelings, just noticing feelings, um, because sometimes those feelings can be indications of like, you know, is there, um, uh, you know, am I engaging in some sort of like cognitive dissonance? Am I um, you know, am I, am I kind of like um, uh, trying, you know, fooling myself? Am I uncomfortable? Am I acting in a way that's unhelpful? Really being like self-reflective and, and honest, which is very difficult to do. 
and it's something I've been thinking about more and, and it's in that, that paper that, or the, uh, it's in a paper that we're gonna be publishing, uh, sending out for, for, for review, a group of us, another group of us uh, evaluators, but then also I have a blog post so you'll be able to kind of you, you know, uh, check that out. So there's, there's other techniques, you know, reflective questions, for instance, there's you know, just sitting meditation, standing, walking mindfully, there's, uh, you know, like you said, the door handle uh, technique. Every time you touch a door handle, you you think you just, you know, come into your, your body and you feel, um, oh, I'm here. This is me, you know, versus uh, in your thoughts and lost in your head. Yeah. And there's other other things as well. And for me, you know, it's a process. Like I'm still, you know, at the beginning. So I'm, I'm learning a lot as well. So. And we haven't even gotten to the non-judgment part yet, which is the second half of the equation of mindfulness. <laughs> but even yeah. just practicing, discussing our thoughts on awareness is going to be helpful for people. All the different ways that you can be aware uh, is going to be helpful with, like you were mentioning, are we thinking biased? Are we, are there things that are in, influencing the way that we're speaking or reacting that we can be aware of first before we take action in in ways that we can be helpful so i really loved your discussion around um, how those thoughts come together and how awareness plays into other aspects of our lives and yeah. um you know yeah. one thing i wanted i wanted to say was yeah i've been you know i've been reading uh this uh the most recent edition of uh, by uh, mistakes were made but uh not by me, by Tavros and uh, Aronson. Um, they write about cognitive dissonance theory, which is why I mentioned that before. And um, one of the things they say that's important is like for people to, the non-judgmental vein is like to realize that um, if we make mistakes, it doesn't mean that we're bad, like mistakes are okay. And even though they, they say like people say that in our society, but no one really believes it. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people just really don't believe it, you know, so that it becomes... So what happens then, you know, if, if uh, you make a mistake then, and then you're bad, right? There's something wrong with you. Then a lot of times we're going to defend against the fact that we made a mistake, like even deny it or not, you know, not examine it and learn from it. So that sort of fundamental sort of mindset shift. And I have, I do an interview with uh, Kylie Hutchinson makes me remind that interview where uh, she talks a lot about that because her and some of her colleagues, her evaluators, wrote about um, evaluation mistakes. And initially, when I saw it, I was like, "Why? You know, why are they focusing on that?" But I, then I, I got it, and I think I think that that's a, a really important thing. It's like it's it's not it's it's essential to feel okay. It's make it's okay to make mistakes because then it allows us to examine those mistakes, and learn from them, and so. Um, so there's a lot of things kind of playing out there, but I, I think that that's, that's a, a, another point that I wanted to make. Yeah. Awesome. Awareness is such a big topic and I love how we're discussing it here. And I want to be mindful of our time as well. Um, so for our last question, James, uh, what's the biggest takeaway you'd like for our audience? Well, I think, um, you know, I, I think like one thing is, for me, it was, it was really hard to get started, really hard to kind of get, get, get going with, with a practice. And so um, I, you know, I, I do like, um, like the, the PJ Fogg um, website and uh, the, the, the one of his, uh, I don't know if he has more than one book, but the, there's one book that I, um, 
I saw the the summary of, and I watched some of the videos and starting to learn about his his approach. And and James Clear has a nice uh, approach also. And I think you can use that, like I was saying before, to just you know start the practice because if you just start, even if it's just for like one or two minutes a day, uh, and you do it regularly, I think you'll find all sorts of benefits. And it's hard to know what those benefits will be. There's some like typical benefits that you get, um, but you will get some. And it's not just about attention or about like regulating emotion or mood or, you know, those kind of things, which can be beneficial, but also you never know. I mean, it could be also about just sort of understanding, uh, you know, like metaphysically, like more like the nature of our, you know, of our lives, of our existence, kind of focusing on that. It can be very pragmatic things, like I said before, about like managing anxiety, helping to build focus and concentration, attention. So there's all sorts of, of benefits that, that come from it. And I, I, I think starting easy, small, very realistically, um, you know, gamifying it in a way, like um, using an app uh, where you track, you know, and maybe have a community online or something that you're kind of you know, seeing, you know, who else is meditating and they, they see how you're meditating and becomes a little bit more fun. There's Insight Timer, like I mentioned before, and there's a slew of, there's many other apps as well. Um, and then, uh, you know, using using something like Mindful Text can be helpful too, just as a reminder or other you know, additional information to support practice. So just starting very modestly is enough. You know, that's, you know, that's great. It's, it's like that with, with exercise or changing eating too. I mean, a lot of things are like that. So that's important to note. And I think mindfulness practice and meditation practice is, is similar. So, yeah. Okay, James, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for sharing your perspective and we'll catch you all next time. All right. Great. Bye.